Welcome to the Pathlight Ministries podcast. We're glad you've chosen to study God's Word with us. I'm Pastor Chip Anthony, and here's today's message. I want to start this morning, I want to start with a, a little bit of word association. It sort of works like this. You know, if I were to say uh, the word bat, I want you to get an image in your head. So that when I, if I say the word bat, the first image in your mind, some of you may, you know, conjure an image of a rodent with wings that eats bugs. Some of you may have gotten an image of maybe a person holding a big stick with which they hit a ball. Some of you may have um, had an idea of a caped vigilante who fights crime in Gotham City. All right, a few different ideas, but I want to I want to find out when I say a word what image goes into your minds and the word. And so as soon as I say it, be honest about what pops into your head when I say the word gentle. What is it? What is it that conjures into your mind? Michael, I'm going, to, I'm going to start with you. When I say gentle, what is the first? You look embarrassed already. What, what's the first thing? You, you're among friends. What? Um, <laughs> at the end of the episode, Inspector Gadget, Dr. Claw was like petting a cat. <laughs> Dr. Claw petting his, his kitty. Yeah. Okay, uh, anybody else think of a kitten in there? Okay, a couple of other kittens. Craig, how about you? What? A baby. A baby. All right, how many people thought of a baby? All right, Any, anybody different than a kitten, a baby? Maybe a puppy? Anybody else? A bunch of cat people? What was that? A mother. All right, gentleness. All right, Let, what was that one? A, a breeze, a gentle breeze. All right, I mean, that's good, that's good. Um, let me just say that um, some of us, our, our ideas of gentle or gentleness, um, they definitely fit within sort of the mindset of our modern day thinking. Um, but sometimes when we think of what is gentle, it does not match up with what God's word means when it says gentle. In fact, today we're going to look at this idea of gentleness and we're going to sort of explore the words and what they what really means and what's at the heart of the gentleness that God has for us. This uh, Recently, we've been covering the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, and we've set our minds on trying to memorize these two verses, all right? And so we're going to, if you're, if you're ready, we're going to cover our eyes. Anybody else? Okay, we've got a couple. Good. I'm not the only one this week. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Oh, you say, you say it with me, too. Y'all forgotten. All right. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. All right. Very good. Um, this, these are the fruit of the Spirit. And we've covered all of these. Today, we are to gentleness. Last week, we did faithfulness and we examined how God has proven himself faithful again and again, generation through generation, throughout all of Scripture. Um, before that, we looked at uh, we looked at goodness, and we said that for us to understand our own sense of goodness, that we have to be continually evaluating ourselves, and that sometimes we need help from other people um, to help us see maybe areas where we, we struggle. And before that, we started with, we did kindness, and we did an activity called Kindness Tic-Tac-Toe. This week, I heard of one person who on their Kindness Tic-Tac-Toe board from last week did seven out of nine. I mean, it's something. And I've had a couple of people who said, hey, listen, I don't need a tic-tac-toe board to be kind, right? And not just one person. I've heard this several times. And let me say this. Um, achievement never comes without effort. 
It never comes without effort. You could not say it. No, you could say it, but you couldn't do it. You couldn't say, you know what? I don't need a physical fitness regimen to be in great shape. I don't need to work out daily to be a world-class athlete. I will just naturally become a world-class athlete. Right? When I say that, it sounds ridiculous. And when you tell me that you don't need encouragement and kindness, you sound equally ridiculous because you do need encouragement and kindness. You need to challenge yourself. Oh, hello. You need to challenge yourself to be kind because it's not something that flows naturally out of our world. In fact, our world isn't naturally kind. It's naturally wicked. In fact, God's word tells us that, that my heart isn't naturally kind, that it's naturally wicked. So we need encouragement and kindness. And so we're not going to have a tic-tac-toe board today. In fact, you can take the rest of this month to do your last tic-tac-toe board, and we'll give you another one the first week of September, all right? And, and we'll give you a month then. But it's important because here's the thing. If kindness is going to naturally flow out of you, you're going to have to put it into you. You're going to have to challenge yourself to be kind. And as I have, and I'll, be, I'll just tell you, this week I got two out of my tic-tac-toe board. That was not a great week because, I don't know, I guess I was just ornery this week. But um, I'll say this. Um, I did some other things and kindness. I was kind to people that I ordinarily would have just walked right past them and maybe not taken a second look because my thinking has, is being, tra- being trained to look for opportunities to be kind. But today we're not talking about kindness. Today we're talking about gentleness. And when I think of gentleness, I think of my grandmother's hands. My grandmother had these hands, and her skin was, just, was like, was like uh, uh, paper, like, like just this delicate, most soft. And in particular, um, you know, I can remember her hands doing several things. I can remember one time her hand spanked me. I remember one time uh, we played that memory game where you flip over the cards. And I remember how, 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 how delicate, how gently how, her hands would flip over these cards. I remember in particular, i got one picture in mind uh, where my grandmother is holding my oldest niece in her lap, right? And my niece is sitting in her, her lap. And my niece has her finger buried so deep in her nose that you would have thought she was giving herself brain damage. <laughs> Like, and my grandmother is just laughing, and she's got one hand patting her back and the other hand kind of covering her mouth laughing. And to me, that's, that has always been sort of this picture of gentleness, but I got it wrong. I got it wrong, because that's not Scripture's picture of gentleness. That's not what it means to be gentle. In fact, in Scripture, what we see when we hear, see the word gentleness is we have this word proutes, Proutes. And it means gentleness, and, but sometimes it's also translated as meekness. When Jesus is preaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he, he talks about being, being blessed are the meek. Proutes. And it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean weakness. See, the thing is, I've always thought that my grandmother was gentle. She wasn't gentle. She was weak. And that's not a knock on my grandma. Like, I'm not, like, trying to smack talk my, my grandma. Like, oh, grandma, you're weak. That's not it, right? I'm not trying to be, but she was, in fact, weak. In fact, my, my niece that was sitting in her lap had to be put into her lap. And after a little while, she couldn't really handle her weight anymore, and she had to be taken from her lap. She wasn't just gentle. She was weak. And we think of babies, and we say, oh, babies are so gentle. They're not just gentle. They're, they're weak. Their gentleness isn't weakness. Gentleness, in fact, the best way that we can describe it is gentleness is strength under control. And so the picture of gentleness is not of, of a kitten or a puppy or a baby. The picture of gentleness, in fact, we're going to give you some pictures of gentleness um, 
is, is strength that is being put under control. In fact, the original idea of meekness, in fact, if you, if you were to read these ancient documents and see the, this word of gentleness and meekness, it was used to describe a horse, right? A horse that has been broken to the point that you can ride it, or that you can put a, an implement on its back that you can, you can use him to plow a field, right? That's the idea of being gentle. Now, none of us would say a horse is weak, in fact, I think there's an expression, something like strong as a horse, right? Or I don't know, something like that. All right, but you know, none of us would say that a horse is just a really weak animal. No, horses are very strong. In fact, a horse is capable of destroying a, a human being. But when they're trained, they become gentle. They become meek. And that's the picture that, that Paul is creating here for us, that as the Spirit is living and active in our lives, that, that our strength, comes under control that our strength becomes controlled in such a way that we are we are gentle we're meek and this morning i want to look at a couple of ways and, and let me say this about the idea of gentleness and weakness our world equates gentleness with weakness and and they often equate strength with violence often does if i i was really uh, disturbed Many, many times uh, this 4th of July. I don't know if any of you looked at, at Facebook on 4th of July, but it seemed like again and again and again the singular message was America is great because America wins wars. I saw probably a dozen different posts that said something like America back-to-back World War champions, right? Which is funny. It's really clever, right? But, but that's not really an expression of our strength, <laughs> It's not really a, the best expression of our, of our greatness. In fact, there was a time when the, the strength of America and the greatness of America was shown that we were a people that believed this proposition that people could govern themselves, that we didn't need a king, that we didn't need some authority over us, but that we were capable with the right moral direction of, of, of watching after ourselves. And it seems like today the people say that we're great because we're strong. That's not what scripture tells us about, about gentleness, about weakness and strength. In fact, there are a few different ways that we should see uh, gentleness. And in each of these areas, we see that when gentleness um, is used, when their strength is put under control, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. But that when strength is out of control, it gets dangerous. Uh, the first way is, is physical gentleness. And I don't know if you've ever gotten to see like batting practice before a major league game. Right, but if you if you ever go to a major league game and you watch batting practice, they'll the pitchers are just throwing out you know just meatballs. I mean, just like slow pitches. They do it so that you know everybody gets to see you know hit a home run, and you'll see guys get up there and they'll just whack the ball 400 feet. I mean, it, I got to see Sammy Sosa do uh, batting practice one day, and it was amazing. This man, he would just swing that bat, and the ball would just just fly, just beautiful. It really was a thing of beauty to see somebody who really know, knows how to swing a bat to hit, make that contact. Now, bear in mind, I have a friend named Brian who is probably equally strong, as strong as Sammy Sosa. Big, strong football player. As far as I know, in his life, he has picked up a baseball bat one time, and I had the good fortune of being there to witness it. Right? And he stood there, and we were, we were playing baseball in a, a, a church church softball league, and he's like, oh, this is easy, this is easy. And the guy's pitching softballs, and he's like, throw it overhanded. Throw it overhanded. 
And so he's standing there in the batter's box just waiting for it. And he thinks, his idea is, I'm strong. So I'm going to hit this big, you know, soft ball, and I'm going to just pound it and smash it to the fence. He's seen people play baseball. He thinks it's just going to just come naturally to him. And the guy who's on the pitcher's mound knows how to pitch. And he knows how to pitch overhand. And so instead of just tossing a big lob out there, he throws him a curveball. And now, if you've ever thrown a curveball with a softball, it's awesome. Because the, the softball will just... And so the softball's coming right at the plate, and Brian's getting ready to swing, and all of a sudden the softball just dies. It's just like, boom. And Brian takes this huge swing, and he swings so hard, literally, that he swung himself completely around, and just like that. And if, if he had not had a bat in his hand, he would have hit the ground. It was so funny. But at the same time, it could have been very dangerous. It could have been really dangerous. He could have gotten, if somebody had been standing really close to him, he was completely out of control. He had massive strength, but he had no control over it. There was nothing beautiful about his swing. It was ugly. We have to be physically gentle. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 24, there's this beautiful story of David. And, well, I say beautiful. It, it's actually kind of gross also. Um, but David is, is he's hiding from King Saul, trying to... Stay away from Saul because Saul has said he wants to kill David. And so David and his, his men are hiding in these, this cave. And lo and behold, Saul is going by the cave and he needs to take care of some uh, personal business. And so he goes into the cave to do that. And while he's in the cave, the men of David, they say, look, your enemy's here. God has delivered your enemy into your hands. And so David goes up with a knife. And while Saul is you know, relieving himself, he cuts off the corner of Saul's robe. And then he goes back to his men and he says, you know, this is what he says. Afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He didn't kill Saul. He just messed up his clothes. And it, just that he was that close to hurting Saul, it hurts his heart. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, meaning the king. For the Lord, meaning God, anointed to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. He feels horrible that he has even done this small act of violence towards the king. And even that was gentleness. And afterwards, he confronts Saul and says, look, I could have killed you if I'd wanted to, but I didn't because I, I don't want to kill you. I, you know, and Saul makes David make a vow and, and they, you know, they're just about hugging by the end of it, but it doesn't quite work out quite that sweetly. See, J David, he exercises physical gentleness. And it's important for us that in our physical bodies that we're gentle, that we're gentle, that in our relationships that we practice gentleness. It, it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing that we live in a world where parents are not gentle with their children. It's a horrible thing that we live in a world where so often we, we see husbands who are not gentle with their wives. Now, I'm all, all about, I'm all for equality and genders, but when you're intimate, when you're close with someone, that there's supposed to be a gentleness in the way that we conduct ourselves. We as, as Christians, we have a special obligation to be gentle when it comes to how we use our bodies, that we should be physically gentle. That doesn't mean that you should be weak, right? I'm not saying this to give you an excuse to not go to the gym, right? I'm not saying, that, Michael, stop lifting, bro. I'm not saying that. Go on, you know, be as strong as you want, but have control of your strength. Because strength, when it's out of control, is dangerous. When it's under control, it's beautiful. 
Second way that we need to control our strength, that we should be gentle, is socially. Um, Probably none of you, when you thought of the picture of gentleness, would have thought of the idea of a, a popular girl typing kind things on her computer as a as a mark of gentleness, as an image of gentleness. But it is. Uh, in fact, we live in a world where we don't just have media, we have social media, right? The social media. I have an idea. In fact, I think this might, might potentially one day make me really rich. Um, so I'm going to share it with all of you. Maybe it'll work out for y'all. Um, of a new social media site, all right? It would be called Bite Your Face Off. And it would basically just be Facebook. Right? It would just be the same thing as we already have, but it would have a clever title, Bite Your Face Off, because that's pretty much what we see on a daily basis. This week, I posted uh, what I thought was a really great article. Uh, it was an article that, um, about it, these churches who are trying to show love to people who are homosexuals. It shows, it's this article, that, and it, they're just doing these different things to try and express the love of God into a community that needs to know it. And, and I posted this article, and I said... Hey, listen, this, this seems neat. What are, you know, what are your thoughts? And I didn't pay attention to it for a few hours. And when I went back to it, two people who are both my friends are at each other's throats online, right? They don't even know each other. Like they have literally never met. And yet they want to fight each other because of a post, because of an article, because they, they view things differently. And this is, this is the world where we live, where where we get to have these disagreements. And, and I think part of it comes from Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. I think this might solve part of it. it says, this is Jesus talking. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Right? Alone. I don't know about y'all, but... Um, there, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a man from, you know, Texas, and so I, I have a certain amount of, of pride in myself, you know, and Damien, you know, you're, you're, you're a pretty big dude, but if you called me out in front of people, I'm, I've, I, there's, I've got to stand my ground, right? Like, that's just, that's just, right? Am I, am I the only, no, I'm not the only one. Pretty much, men, women, and children around here, we, you know, we'll stand up for ourselves if it's, if it's in public. Now, if you came to me one-on-one, he said, hey, brother, listen, we need to talk about this, then I'll be responsive. Part of our problem with social media is it's just too social, right? It is just, it's so out there that you'll see people and they'll get at each other and there's no reconciliation. There is no understanding. There's just no peace in it because Jesus strikes at it at the heart of peace and reconciliation here. And he says, go to him, you and him alone. Right? We need to be we need to be careful about how we conduct ourselves socially. We need to be careful in the way that we that we talk about Probably everyone in here has at one time or another been the victim of gossip, has been the victim of slander. Somebody has talked about you, somebody has lied about you, and it has just, and it hurts. It hurts. Especially, you know, um, I read a quote, I think it's Mark Twain, he says, um, criticism hurts when it comes from a friend, a relative, or a stranger. Right? Just that's, that's everybody. It always hurts. It's a lot better to get in private than it is to get in public. And we, we need that. Because there's times, we talked about this just last a couple of weeks ago, there are times that we need some correction. There's times that we need some reproof, right? But it doesn't always have to be public. And I've, I have learned this lesson in dealing with my children. I used to have this sort of policy that if my, if my children acted up in public, that I was going to correct them in public. Horrible idea. 
Don't, if, I've, if any of you ever heard me say that, please forget that I said it. A horrible idea because now, you know, Brindley now, I'll, she'll do something and, and I'll be like, honey, you're gonna, we're going to have to, there's going to have to be some discipline. This she's like, please not in front of people, right? It's just, and she gets it, right? At, how old are you? Five. At five years old, she understands the importance of correction being between two people, not in front of a group of people. So we, should, we need to be gentle in the way that we conduct ourselves socially. We also need to be gentle in the way that we conduct ourselves spiritually. See, sin has a way of, of weaseling its way into you. And now I'm, I'm talking about issues of, of like legitimate sin, like things that are very cut and dry, not just preference things. Right? Like, you know, Jeff likes the hogs, right? And that's his preference, and I think that's ridiculous, Right? And I like the bears, and he thinks that's just ludicrous, right? And so that's just a preference issue, but even though it's, it's close, I don't think it's sinful for Jeff to love the hogs, right? It's, I'm just kidding. It's not sinful at all for him to love the hogs or for me to love the bears, and we, and we can disagree on that. But when, when we come to issues of sin, there's a clear right and there's a clear wrong. There's a clear right and there's a clear wrong. Someone is right and someone is wrong. And you can go to Scripture and you can say, Scripture says this is right. Scripture says this is wrong. There is a clear arbiter, if you will, a clear line drawn between right and wrong. It's always clear. Somebody's right somebody's wrong. But even in instances like that, even instances where you may be talking to somebody and they're absolutely so, like they could not be any further wrong than they currently are, Galatians 6 says this. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, you, are spirit, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Like, even when your brother sins, even when you find out that somebody in your church is actually a horrible person, even when you find out that that person at work is, is stealing from the company, they're, they're doing whatever it may be, even when you find that out, if you're a spiritual person, if you're a Christian, it's not on you to be the justice of God. It's on you and it's on me to be gentle. Even when we're right, to be gentle. I think the perfect picture of this comes in, in, in Jesus. Paul says this of Jesus. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Some translations say, um, who did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, which when we talk about grasp, sometimes we think that to be understood, but he means leveraged. Jesus never took the fact that he was in fact God and took it hold of it with both hands to beat somebody with it, Right? So one of the things that somebody uh, just recently heard somebody complaining about someone's attire at a wedding, right? You probably all know this. I'm not so much on social etiquette, but apparently there was a wedding and somebody wore a white dress to the wedding and they weren't the bride. Whoa. Right. Yeah. They, they were like, where's the rail that we can run them out of town on it? Right. I had, I had no idea. Right. I had no, if I weren't such a messy eater, I would have probably done that before now. Right. Shown up in all white. And like, Are you getting me? No. All right. I had no idea that this was like a big social, you know, uh, more thing. But, you know, 
when Jesus went to a wedding, and, and the reason that you do that is because it's supposed to, the focus is supposed to be on the bride, because the wedding is, it's the bride's day, and she's wearing white, and nobody else is, because she's special, and, right? Jesus went to a wedding, and when he went to that wedding, he was the most important person at that wedding. Amen. Must have, right, like, you don't want Jesus to show up at your wedding. Right, ladies, because you, you will no longer, it'll no longer be your day because it's his day. Every day's his day. But Jesus showed up at a wedding. He was the most important person at the wedding. And yet, when you read about that, he's, he's just kind of quietly sitting by himself. And Mary has to go and seek him out when they've run out of wine. Like, she has to go find him and tell him, listen, we need, I need you to perform a miracle real fast, Jesus. And, and he doesn't, like, he hasn't already done it because he, even though he was the most important person there, he didn't act like he was the most important person there. Even when throughout his life, he lets people talk, even though they're absolutely wrong. Even though there are people that he confronts who are absolutely trapped in sin, he doesn't take a hold of that big God stick and say, hey, listen, I'm God. I'm right. You should listen to me. He never does it. Instead, he, he deals with people gently. Even when standing, even when standing condemned to die, he doesn't pull out that, that God stick and say, listen, I'm gonna, I've never leveraged this before, but I'm going to this time. He doesn't do it. Instead, he makes himself nothing. This is how we should conduct ourselves spiritually. We should look at ourselves and say, listen, you know what? When it comes to this instance, I am absolutely right and you're absolutely wrong, but I'm going to be gentle with you. Even though scripture is clearly in my corner, going to be kind. I'm going to take the strength of, of Scripture. I'm going to take the power that is inherent in the Word of God, and I'm not going to beat you with it. I'm going to love you through it. We, we're people that need to be gentle. We need to be gentle physically. We need to be gentle socially. We need to be gentle spiritually. The key to gentleness, the key to meekness, the key to this whole idea is the understanding that that we have a master, that we are being taught to control the strength that we've been given. And as Christians, we should recognize that the Lord is our master, that the Lord is, is the one who has given us strength, the Lord is the one who gives us opportunity, and he gives us those opportunities so that we can be in control of ourselves, so that we can be in control of our strength. Thank you for listening to Pathlight. I hope that this message has been a blessing to you and that you will be a blessing to others.